Monday and Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And if you like this show, and you must if you're listening to the data show, you've got to give us that five-star review. And as always, head on over to abcboxing.com. Read the scoring criteria because we talk judging on this show most of the time. Is that right? Most of the time. Huh. That's news to me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were just going to talk about the holidays and then kind of skedaddle. Yeah. That, I mean, that kind of sounds fun, too. There's going to be a data show about the holidays. So, like, 95% of the time, I have, like, a really good Christmas. And then, yeah, yeah. Data show, I gained some pounds <laughs> for the holidays. I like that. How, how were the holidays? Because, obviously, we're, so we recorded this last year. You know, right yes. now it's 2023. Yeah, yeah. We, we recorded this way back in 2022. <laughs> um, how, how was how was Christmas? We can't really good. talk about New Year's, but how was Christmas? Christmas was good. Yeah. Yeah. Ate a lot. Saw family. It was great. You even had me drop off a, a little present yes. in your mailbox. Yes, you did. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was it was just a family Christmas card. It was a good Christmas I th- card. I thought I would see you before Christmas. I never did because we recorded, uh, I guess, remotely the mm-hmm. last time, right? Because yep. we recorded early. And we were late on getting the card together, so I was like, oh, I guess on my way to my parents, we'll pass by Totowa, and I was dropping in the box. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. So, it was good. Good. And your Christmas was good? My Christmas was good. Good. My young boys had a, had a very lovely time. Nice. Santa treated them well. Got each of them the Lego that they were hoping for. That's Santa. He knows his stuff. He does. He does. I will say, though, my youngest was disappointed that Santa didn't bring all the other things he asked for oh. on the list that he filled out at school the day that they went back for break. Oh, nice. And we said to him, like, boy, you've got to tell your parents and Santa when you see him. You can't just do this two days before and be like, yo, I want this, 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 mm-hmm. and this. It's not going to work. He needs time to prepare. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wanted a candy cane. That was one of the things. That just okay. No, but no a, one had a candy cane around. But a regular candy cane. Brand, regular candy cane. So, you know, when. Not a secret candy cane that no. turns into a cookie. No. No, no, not one of those. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about that? Yeah, I heard. I heard about it. You're that. not Santa. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes for other people, not for my children, mm-hmm. Dan will be a Santa's helper. Yes. Dress up as Santa. Is not, of course, the real Santa, but he's one of the helpers. Just a helper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and certainly that that wasn't what happened. You didn't visit my kids a few years ago. <laughs> but no, on the whole, it was good. New Year's, who knows? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, just watching football. That's yeah, it. Sure, whatever. Yeah. I'll be working. Right. <laughs> or I did work. Whatever the pe- <laughs> Whatever the tense is, that's where it's at. But we're not going to go deep into the holidays. We're also not going to talk about any live fights there was, of course, the Bellator Rising card the other day, but that uh, was scored differently. It wasn't under 10-point must. We're not going into that. Hopefully, it was a good time. It's actually going on as we speak, as we are recording this, so we're, we're not going to touch on it. it's going on right now. It's literally going on at this moment. But that's right, but we can't watch it till 8 o'clock tonight, next so, tomorrow night or all something. All right, so you can watch the, the so it's kind of in two pieces, right? Like, there's the regular Ryzen 40 card, mm-hmm. which is on Fight TV. I think you can watch it. Okay. Uh, and then that ends, and then there's the Bellator versus Ryzen card that's like the last five okay. fights. And that, I believe you could also watch early, probably through Fight TV, if I'm not mistaken. But if you want to watch it on Showtime, on tape delay, it's... It was at 8 o'clock on New Year's Eve. 
I wonder how the Bellator pacing will be on a tape delay event. Will have been? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, past tense for day. We're all, we're yeah. all in a mix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one would hope it would be paced pretty well. <laughs> I guess uh, by now we'll already know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so we're not going to talk about that. We're all about the data this week. Yes. That's what we're talking about. We do the annual data show where I will crunch the numbers of scored rounds that I've been tracking all year. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll learn some interesting things. I try not to just double up on what we've done in past years because it's, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the times the revelations aren't drastically different from one year to another. Maybe I'll go back at some point if I have a much more collected or, or, or let's say complete data set because I'm trying to go work all the way back to especially UFC rounds from tw- to 2016, like summer 2016 onward. Okay. Um, once I complete that, maybe maybe we'll we'll do one more. I kind of revisit some of the trends mm-hmm. of the past and really look into what's going on. Okay. But by then, I'll probably have like eight years worth of data. It's possible. Which would be fascinating. Yeah, that's I a think, lot. I think. Yeah. But before we dive into the interesting stuff, mm-hmm. let's, let's go to the boring stuff. Well, no, this is interesting. Oh. <laughs> this is data on just me and you. Oh, okay. You, all... That's right. You've collected some. So data. real quick, I want to, we on this show this past year we tal- we uh. Went over 297 contested rounds. That doesn't include past judgment or uh, the Ari's fight that we did. Nothing that. Just just contested rounds, Bellator, PFL, UFC, 297 rounds. We disagreed on 70 of those rounds. You and I did. Okay. Yes. So that's what? Like one out of every four or so? But out of all those uh, disagreements, mm-hmm. we still end up in the majority each a total of 199 times interesting 98 times in the minority so 30 33 percent sure of the time we agree with the judge in uh the minority so what do we call that the out judge oh no that these aren't well it is a couch side override if we both agree on it oh i see but we don't we don't always agree on it. right yes okay yeah. and i i understand now what you're saying uh and in 10 9 verse 10 8 we had 54 of those rounds okay we agreed on 45 of them uh, I was in the majority 32% of the time. You were in, uh, not 32, just 32 times. You were 35 times. Uh, I was dead even in distributing 10 nines versus 10 eights, 27 apiece. Mm-hmm. You were slightly heavy on the 10 eight, 25, 20, uh, 29 10 eights, and uh, 25 10 nines. I found it fascinating that we disagreed 70 times, but still landed in the same same amount of times we agreed with uh, majority versus minority. That so. That's wild, yeah. Nor I have I will definitely be touching more on the uh, the couch side override element, but I'll circle back to that at the end because mm-hmm. I've got a whole mess of data that I think is probably more interesting for people at large rather than just specifically to mm-hmm. consumers of our show, uh, of which I hope you continue to be, or maybe maybe you're new and you want to stick around. Hey, hey, the more the merrier. That's right, Gabagool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, that does it for me and you. Now you get into the good stuff. The good stuff. First, I gotta set, you gotta set the table here, right? Okay. So, so we are working off of the fact that I have been collecting round data uh, throughout the year for UFC, Bellator, PFL, all of 2022. This is the first year that I actually have a complete data set every single round from those three promotions. Um, it's been challenging in the past to get every single round, but it did finally happen this time. So. I'll pat myself on the back for that one. Mm. That is 970 UFC scored rounds, 407 Bellator scored rounds, and 192 PFL scored rounds for a grand total of 
1569. It's a lot. A whole lot of rounds. <laughs> it's a whole lot of rounds. When you're doing it week to week, it doesn't really like take up a whole lot of time. I mean, you know, it's a little time, but it's, you know, you kind of chip away here mm-hmm. and there, right? A uh, couple things I want to make sure I say. Uh, thank you very much to those who provide this data. Uh, the UFC through their at UFC News Twitter handle as well as on their website. It's a tr- those are both terrific resources. The funny thing is sometimes one will update before the other. Oh yeah. When when you're trying to get it like in real time, and I'm trying to like share it or post it or whatever, <laughs> and, and kind of get the engagement first or whatever the hell it is, right? Or just kind of share what I want to say because sometimes I really just want to know what it was, you know, what whatever the scorecard was. Uh, but yeah, it's weird that one of them will go first and then the other will go second sometimes. Neither here nor there. A lot of times I'm praying, please be unanimous. Please. <laughs> well, be yeah. If we hear if we hear twenty nine twenty eight unanimous twenty nine twenty eight, we're we're hoping that maybe we don't have to dive deep into that one. Like you know, the Patty Pimblet fight would have been one. Probably we would have had to talk about it anyway. Just oh yeah, you, know, you had nuts. to talk about that one. But, yeah, but that ended up being one of those deceptive unanimous twenty nine twenty eights where not everyone had the same card. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I get you there. Bellator PR, as you'd imagine, the Bellator uh, PR handle on Twitter. Uh, they have been much better, I think, this year than in past years, even with sharing their scorecards, both full and partial. Um, and I'm very optimistic that will continue, uh, and maybe even be even more complete in 2023. Uh, they, <laughs> I, I definitely pestered the heck out of the Bellator PR team to, to kind of make that happen. I, mm-hmm. I take a lot of credit for being annoying in making that happen, but I, I, I think we're all on the same page now, uh, which is terrific. Uh, and I do appreciate them providing that information for you know for both me and I think I think there's a lot more people out there that appreciate it than people would have thought maybe a few years ago. I think I think there's a hunger for this type mm-hmm. of information, right? PFL they share their scorecards uh, with media via an, uh, an assets link. They don't do any sort of thing on social media, but they make it available for you know media members such as I who get the emails with all that stuff. So I try to share those whenever I can. If there's something interesting out there, I like to just make sure I disseminate that to the masses. And a huge, again, thank you to the media relations teams at these promotions, the regulators who've been helpful in, in providing me some maybe information that was slipped through the gaps, uh, officials who've also been very good at kind of keeping me in the loop of what's going on. Uh, it, it's, it's truly appreciated. So, you know, thank you to all involved in, in helping complete this data set. Now, a reminder as we get into this data, though, there's a few things you got to understand that this is is a it, it's it's a limited look we're only gonna mostly look at uh, one year of data and that tells you know kind of different things right it, it it can't tell you every single thing because some judges just don't work as much as others in past years you know that kind of thing um a, a, a more data tells you more right so yeah. it tells a better story yeah, for sure now many judges who are excellent assessors of rounds Sometimes they work maybe fewer UFC rounds, maybe fewer Bellator rounds. Sometimes we're only talking about UFC, so maybe they're underrepresented in that conversation. Keep that in mind. Um, I think we've made greater strides this year. I've made greater strides this year in filling in my data going back to, like I said, August 2016. That's kind of what I'm aiming for when that's when the criteria was overhauled. Kind of started in 2017, but it was, I think there was like a soft launch in 2016 is, is my understanding of it. But now I have a complete data set going back to the beginning of 2019 
finished that year off this year. So now it's four full years, 19, 20, 21, and 22 for UFC specific round date, I should say. Um, still missing some. So if you have any information and can help me out, a lot of ways you can get me at Scott underscore Fontana. DM me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm I'm responsive, you know, not mean. Hopefully, hopefully you can help me. Email scottrfontana at gmail.com. Whatever you can do to help me out. Really appreciate it. Would love to be able to complete this data set for everybody. Yeah. The real data. The real the real data. <laughs> not the fake data you see going around on Twitter. Well, it's, it's not fake data. It's, it's just incomplete. It, it's incomplete because they, they what happens is some people will go to MMA Decisions, which is a fantastic resource by Chris McMaster, and we really appreciate all the work that Chris does. Um, Chris has been very uh, helpful to me in particular. I'll reach out to him, and he'll sometimes provide me information that uh, you know, I'll request and, and can disseminate. And I, of course, give credit where it's due for that. So I do thank him. But it is an incomplete resource when a lot of people are just sharing, you know, let's say a split decision. It's just like who was a out judge on a split decision, right? You got to go with the rounds. And unfortunately, there's not an a easily searchable way for that on MMA decisions at this time. They're so. pulling data and skewing it in a way that they want to come out already how they and. Uh, perceive it to it be. does lack a lot of context so, you're right um one thing i want to talk about but i'm not I'm, i wasn't knocking mma decisions no, no, fantastic. No, no. Get, yeah, yeah it's all the people trying to you know be the data guy I'm, you're not the data guy <laughs> scott's the data guy there's room for other data guys no all right dan says there's no room for other data guys so you guys are sol but <laughs> it's, it's, that's dan that's not me um a couple of things i want to mention because we're going to be talking about descents we always talk about descents in these data shows now descent isn't where the judge is just the out judge no matter what when we say dissent we do specifically mean when a judge disagrees with the two other judges on who won the round that's that's for these purposes a dissent sometimes we'll talk about the eight nine split mm -hmm. or or the eight seven split or something like that if they, if there's anything like that right or or a ten ten and a ten nine split there technically was <sighs> we're not getting into points lost but I'm just saying, there technically uh, was an 8 7 split. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm but, just but, saying. But we're talking about the numbers that the judges are meant to put yeah. down before yeah, the yeah, points yeah, are. Yeah, gotcha. you're, getting, you're getting into the weeds here, sir. <laughs> but I just want people to understand what a descent is for, for our purposes of this show when we talk about data. Um, being a dissenting judge, mind you, does not mean that the judge was wrong. It means that they were not agreed with by their peers. That doesn't mean they were wrong. Sometimes they're the hero to the story, or sometimes they just saw it a slightly different way, and it was perfectly fine to see it that way, too. A lot of scores are defendable. It just means you're the minority assessment. That is it. Simple as that. And, of course, often rounds, as frequent listeners of the show know, you can argue a, a round one way or the other. Not always, right? I think we can get into it now. Let's I think I got it. I think I got yeah. the spiel out of the way. It's, it's, it's the boring part, but we got to do it. Like it, it makes sure people understand what we're talking about here. Can you repeat that? No. <laughs> no. We got to get into okay. it, sir. Stop belaboring the point. Let's go. All right. Where do you want to start? You tell me. You're the guy. Well, why don't we get into maybe some notable trends? That's kind of what I, I labeled this okay. portion of the show on the outline that I was hoping you would just set me up so I could spike, sir. How dare you? I never played volleyball. Not in gym? I play, well, yeah, I did play in gym. I did yeah. play volleyball. That was stupid. Everyone, everyone played that. Yeah, that was weird. Never mind. Just, yeah. just, right, just get on with the notable yeah. trends. All right, you can, yeah, you can stop talking then. <laughs> <laughs> so, for starters here, 
the overall descent rate is something that I tweeted about recently. Um, and, and actually it was shouted out by John Anik on his Anik and Florian podcast. And I, and I did appreciate the shout out. It was, it was kind words from, from John Anik, but something I wanted to make sure I put in a little more context with regard to that. So the descent rate in the UFC rose for the third year in a row this year, out of all the rounds, the descent rate was 7.24% up from 6.71 the previous year. And in 2020, it was all the way down at 5.77. So we're at one and a half percent higher two years later. Mind you, 2020 was the year that everyone was more or less in a bubble. It was almost the same judges every single week. There really just wasn't a whole lot of variability in, in who was judging these fights. And also for the record, I should point out, 2019, the year before the pandemic, it was 7.03%. So technically this year was even higher than that previous year. So it was more or less based on a comment that uh, that John Anik had made that it just feels to him like judging has never been in a worse place. I'm not saying he's right, but I there at least is some data that could point to that, right? But I think it's you got to get deeper into the data, right? It doesn't just... That, that data really is is kind of just one piece of the puzzle. You have to kind of like figure out the reasons why this is happening, right? So what I did is I decided I would dive into, you know, the number of judges who kind of like frequently work as opposed to the ones who are maybe, you know, maybe they are only going to judge like six rounds or something like that. They come to their territory. UFC traveled around a little bit more this year. They went to Columbus, you know, they went to France. They went, they went to several places, right? Places that they didn't go very often. So what we're looking at here is there are 15 judges that worked at least 40 rounds in the UFC. We're, we're again, still specifically on UFC. 15 rounds, or 15 judges who worked at least 40 rounds in the UFC. And that is a combined 79.9% of the rounds. So these guys are working four out of five rounds, right? Mm -hmm. The majority of them are that. Of that group, the average judge from that group uh, dissented 6.83% of the time. So lower than that total, which means, of course, the other 50 judges who had 40 or fewer rounds each and accounted for 20% of the rounds, they dissented 8.87% of the time, significantly higher, 2% more likely to disagree, those judges who work less frequently than the other ones. Okay. So those 15 are the traveling judges pretty much, right? Essentially, yeah. yes. Somewhere. I mean, it's it's for the most part. Yes and no. I mean, there's there's some of them are the international judges, okay. the ones who work in in the UK, especially um, or Europe. We didn't really get to you know Brazil or well, we'll be in Brazil next month, actually. Yeah, yeah. Or this month, this month. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah. It is. This it is January now. now. It's January now. Remember Just what the... time you're in? Oh God, everything's screwy. <laughs> 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 Got to remember what year I'm in, sir. For God's sake. Um, yeah, it, we don't go very many places right now. 2023 this year is pro looks to be is going to be a little different. At least the first two pay-per-views are not in American soil. It's a little different. So, But nonetheless, this is a clear difference between these two groups. I mean, what, what does that kind of say to you when you hear this data? Because a lot of this is new to you. This in particular, I guess maybe they're just not getting as many reps. The other 15, they work, they work often together. They do. They convert. To, uh, in groups together. too. Again, some of so, these are are like the UK judges yeah. that are work. They would work so together themselves. Yeah, they they know each other. They they're bouncing ideas back and forth. They're having these meetings in the back after each fight, talking about the fights nonstop with with the same group of people. I feel they they probably get more on you know in tune with each other a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot so. of sense to me. I also feel like what this says is that 
just because these guys uh, and and a woman in the case of Adelaide Bird, um, just because we hear their names all the time and that might mean, hey, maybe they're going to post a bunch of rounds we don't like. The people who like to say, fire this judge, fire that judge, get replace these judges. They're old judges. I'm tired of hearing their names. If you bring someone up, they may not be as ready for prime time as you think they'll be. Just to give them more rep. Maybe they would be. Maybe not. You're just kind of rolling the dice because you don't know better. Most of these people don't know any other judges outside of the ones they're complaining about. Yeah, and then they'll just complain about the new guy that comes up. It's it's kind of like the backup quarterback syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody wants the backup quarterback because they don't know what the backup quarterback can do. Yeah, everyone wants to put Geno Smith in there and ruin Eli Manning's streak, but no. Yeah, but look at Geno this year. Now, now give him yeah, time. This year, give him time. Yeah. Like maybe some of these other judges get them time and reps. Maybe they'll be better. Listen, under Pete Carroll, Russ Wilson was a Hall of Fame candidate. Sure. Not under Pete Carroll. Big different story this year. He does not look particularly Gino, good. I'll give you that. We don't uh, want to go too deep into football. We got we got saying. a lot to a lot of information to kind of get through here. Um, but to kind of go over similar data, right? Because I I already mentioned it was a six point eight three percent for that kind of that core group, and then eight point eight seven percent descent rate for uh, the ones who are not essentially part of that core group, right? At least for this particular year, some of the some of the judges who didn't quite make the cut are, are judges who work a lot, but again, they just didn't get as many UFC rounds this year. That's just you, the way it worked are out. Are you moving past the descent right now? Oh, I'm I'm still kind of on this, but I wanted to okay. kind of talk so, about the right. uh, the ideas of how it had been in like previous years, right? right? Okay. To give a little more okay. context, right? Good, good. So 2021, 16 judges, same cutoff, scored 90 percent of the rounds, so it was even higher percentage of them. Their descent rate was 6.57. So really, it's only just a little bit higher this year over last year. It's really very little different. Um, the other judges, by the way, there were 24 judges who did that other, you know, roughly 10%, 9.8. They descended 8% of them. So again, we're still seeing a, a, a difference, a marked difference between the ones who work more frequently compared to the ones who work less frequently. 2020, 19 judges worked 93% of those rounds. And again, that was the pandemic year, right? That was, yeah. Uh, they dissented 5.61% of the time. And mind you, that was before we had kind of that interruption with the Dana White and uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the 10 eights and calling out on kind of thing. And I think mm-hmm. that threw a lot of, th- it doesn't just throw up the 10 eights. I think it threw a lot of synchronicity that the judges had been working on for a while off, but they were at 5.61 dissents, very, very low. The other 11 judges were combined, and, and granted, it wasn't a whole lot of rounds. We're still talking about, like, what, it was a 6.5% of the re- like the remaining rounds. They dissented just about 8%. It was a little under that, 795 So, consistently, the judges who don't work as often do not agree as well. Yeah, they just, could it be lack of reps, do you think? I think it's part of the, part yeah. of it is lack of reps. Part of it is they're not part of that core group that's having these conversations mm-hmm. all the time. Unfortunately, I'm sure they're open to it because yeah, they, I'm you sure know, they we, would love it. Andy Foster does, you know, the in in uh, California State Athletic Commission, they do the training. Mm-hmm. Any officials open to it? Media are open to it. You know, anybody can pretty much come, more or less, except for probably Joe Schmo off the street. I'm sure they'd like someone to be at least involved in the sport in one way or another. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it's it, it's. It is an interesting revelation, I think, to me when I saw that data. Yeah. It's also, I want to point out the kind of what you said about Annick saying judging's never been worse. Mm-hmm. That's what he's gathering. But I think it was Kenny Florian that said, well, fighters are getting better. There's going to be a lot more close fights. Yes. I, I thought that and, was a really good point that Kenny made. So the clo- He seems to really yeah. understand. The closer the fight, the more disagreement you're probably going to have. Yeah. 
Um, but I also want to, that goes even further back because I always good thought matchmaking too. UFC is very good at matchmaking. Yes. So, uh, Dana White always said, "Don't leave it in the judges' hands." I always thought that was stupid because fighters are getting better. You can't. Not everyone's going to be able to finish somebody in three rounds. It's not realistic. So it's, yeah. It's not realistic to think that way. Fighters are getting better. These kids are starting training MMA at like eight years old. It's like this sports the fights are going to be. I, as much as I hate it to say it, but more rounds, less time rounds, maybe the way we have to go. As much as I hate it. So you're saying this I idea that it. I had posed a couple years ago that, of five rounds, three minutes long. I'm against it, 100%. But you're moving toward it. If. <laughs> because the fighters are getting so good uh-huh. to just make it to separate each other, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm missing the, the the word. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Do I? You, you do. <laughs> because you have more rounds to score, so there's more points to be attained. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, the right fighter should win more often, I would say. That's why I that's why I'm a proponent of that idea. But, I do I do think it can help in a lot of ways. I think if if you'd actually open up the toolbox too and give them nine, eights, and sevens in the way that we do for let's say past judgment, you know, the CSJ system, if you combine all those elements, I think you get some very diverse scores. Let's try that first. <laughs> we'll try that first. Sure. And see where that takes sure. us. Sure. That one that one I think is probably a much more easy one to actually change. Yeah. No, no, it's never gonna happen. My the the idea that I'm having a fewer more rounds shorter rounds it's it's basically just never that's not happening no i i I understand that i just think outside the box and i i I like to posit ideas out there because i don't think the sport is ready to say yeah we're set it's it's too new so you gotta you gotta at least talk about these things right but yeah yeah yeah, no it's uh it's true but yeah so that's that's kind of all i really had about that particular one but um what i would say though is i just i don't see this rise in descent rate that I was talking about initially, I don't see it as like a real problem. I really don't. Um, it, it's it's not jumping like crazy. I mean, we're talking about it moved a half a percent from one year to the other after moving a full percent one year to the other, but but in ways that we can understand because, again, you're introducing more judges into the mix who mm-hmm. are more likely to disagree than the ones who were already doing it. So it makes a lot of sense. And they were interrupted in their, their processes yeah, in their expectations from the commission. So unfortunate. But that's how I kind of saw it develop there. I, I, I'm not worried. I'm really not. And I don't think anyone should I'm be crazy either. worried about the state of no MMA one. judging. I just don't. I you know Respectfully, I, I have all the respect in the world for, for John who I think cares about this sport and isn't just a guy who works for the UFC and does a job. I think he actually cares about this sport in a way that I think you and I do as well. But I do respectfully disagree with him. I don't think it's a problem. I don't think we're heading in a bad, bad direction. But the numbers do, again, they are trending up, right? You can't ignore it. Slightly. Slightly. Yeah. Slightly. I'm curious to see what happens in 2023. If they continue to rise, then it's like, okay, now it's three years in a row or uh, it would be four years in a row. We'll see where it lands. All right. We'll, we'll talk about that well, you know, but- in about a year from now. Yeah, well, see, it might get it might not because there's going to be more events outside of the Apex this year. It's true. So they should get more reps. Yeah, but what it's, region they go to? Right, but it's I mean it's not like they're not going to go to Atlanta, Georgia five times next year to improve the quality of or give them give better reps to the judges that are there on, on like on on an ESPN or excuse me on a on a UFC show. Right, it's not quite going to work that way. I mean, but here's here's one thing. Australia's been closed for how long? Have they had shows there in the meantime? I'm not gonna post. I don't know. 
Um, I don't think they had been having many shows there, but so, are, <laughs> oh, are we'll, we'll work... talk about Australia in a little bit. Oh, don't worry. Oh, we're going to get there? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to Australia. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll have some things for you. Okay. Um, and actually, I think we could probably get to it right now because what I, one thing I did look into, um, and again, we're, we're going to be traveling more this year, like we mentioned before, but one thing I did get into was the idea of, okay, maybe the judges from different geographic locations are judging at certain descent rates, right? So I looked at, because now I have a four-year data set, I looked at the full four-year set here, and I kind of separated them into different groups. So the main group that I had started off with was the 17 judges who worked in Nevada events. And it's not just when they worked in Nevada, but they're ones who are licensed in Nevada in the last four years, right? 17 judges. They judged combined rounds. Now, this mind you, this is like kind of like triple the number of rounds, but it's the combined rounds because each one has their own, right? So combined 8,322 rounds with 546 descents between them. Their descent rate was 6.56. Perfectly normal. Perfectly acceptable, right? That's more or less like where you'd expect roughly the average to have been anyway. The UK judges, the six most frequently judging UFC UK judges, had 956 rounds, and their rate was 6.90. So pretty much in line, right? It's just a little, a little higher, but mm-hmm. kind of negligible when you really get down to it. The six non-UK Euro judges, that worked the most. Um, pretty much anybody, I should say, the cutoff is more or less that they had 25 rounds scored. Okay. Still a very low number, but when you group them in, it counts. It's, it's not so bad. Those judges were actually at 5.52% over 670 rounds. So they were even better. Brazil doesn't have as much data, I have to point out. I only had two judges with at least 25 rounds here. Most of these rounds are uh, Guilherme Bravo. Okay. Um, we had 143 rounds total out of that group. The descent rate was 7.69. So there's an uptick there, right? It's, it's, it's about a percent higher than what we're typically used to with those other groups. The Aussie judges, like we talked about before. Okay. Yeah. 175 rounds. Again, this is a little bit smaller sample size, but we're over a hundred. And what, what, what's the time frame again? Last four years. Last four years. Okay. Starting 20, January, 2019 to present. Okay. UFC rounds, their descent rate was 12.6%. That's a, that's a much larger jump. So that's almost like one year because January 2019, everything shuts down in 2020. More or less, and yeah. they're just opening now. Well, there was a show so. in in February uh, 2022 okay. in, in New Zealand. It, was, it wasn't yeah. Australia, but I'm, it's that region of the world, okay. Oceania, I, I'm, yeah. whatever whatever you would call the continent out there. Um, apologies to the, gra- uh, the geography nuts i was second in my geography being middle school but that was a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> but yeah their their descent rate was at 12.6 percent on 175 rounds that's significantly higher and honestly it doesn't surprise me because every time they go there i feel like there's just way more rounds that we're just like huh so that's what I, that's what i was getting at mm-hmm. before australia kind of typical they give us the more interesting discussions I'll say. Interesting is is an yeah. interesting word. So <laughs> we have a major event going there. February 11th. La- is lack of re- will lack of reps come into play? I don't I kind of hope not. I mean, even if it doesn't, so, this is still a, a part of the world that seems maybe less less familiar with the way to be uniform among themselves anyway. Alexander Volkanovsky is no stranger to close fights. Sure. Particularly the first fight, or the one of the fights with Holloway. Now, look, they do uh, sometimes fly in some of those traveling yeah. judges, right? And it's, it's, I imagine it will be a healthy mix of local judges and maybe one or two from the United States or the UK or Europe or what have you, right? 
It'll yeah. be interesting. So yeah, uh oh, I'm prepared. I'm, that'll be yeah. Cause that would that, be an event where I would say maybe try to finish it if you can do it more than maybe you would normally. Because good, good golly, you just don't know. Might this be? I mean, we're gonna talk about it, but this could be like one of the, the biggest fights the UFC's ever booked between the two champions. And the most. I mean, yeah. it's any champion versus champion fight yeah. is is at least there's some interest because so, it, 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 it kind of perks your your ears up already, right? Mm-hmm. Especially this one. This this one. It's not like this was a grudge match waiting to happen forever, but these are two guys that I think a lot of people really do agree are two of the three best like fighters on the planet. Yeah, it's it's one of the rare times really where they fought, but they don't wait too long to do one of these. No, right? no, that's so, also true. But we'll get we're gonna get into that later sure, in the sure, year. Sure. So and and just to clean up too, the remaining hundred fourteen judges worldwide that includes North America, everywhere in the world, right? The ones who don't fit into those categories. Uh, thirteen hundred thirty eight rounds. The descent percentage there was six point nine five. So again, more or less in line. Yeah, everyone's kind of in step. Yeah, except for again, except, Brazil's a little higher yeah. and Australia's a lot higher. Yeah, <laughs> they're kind of like doubled up of what would be ideal. They're t- about twice as likely to give you a, 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 a round they just don't agree on. That's not great. And that that was kind of before everything shut down. Yeah. So I mean, but I'll bet you, I'll bet you, as my data comes in and I, I get more complete data from you know, those parts of the world, it's probably going to continue. I actually think that. Right, but I'm, but I'm saying all this time off. Do you think judging has to be a perishable skill? You would think. I don't know. I would think depends. Depends how much work they're putting in. Yeah. I mean, I mean are yeah, they well, you're, are you're they watching sharp. fights on if the regular? Sharp, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I'm not a judge. I would be curious what a judge thinks of that. Mm. You ever talked to a judge before? From time to time. All right. Well, maybe you go ask one. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Anyway, the last thing I wanted to kind of get to on these notable trends, right? The last trend I have here, again, this is working off of my four-year data set, is I looked at the six most frequently assigned judges or the ones who turn in, let's say, the most scored rounds for the UFC. Those those six individuals, and those are Sal D'Amato, Derek Cleary, Mike Bell, Chris Lee, Janitro Camillo, and Eric Cologne. Those six account for forty nine percent of scored rounds. Putting in the work. They they get a lot of the work. They eat a lot of the share there, right? Their descent rate combined is six point one zero. Now we've been throwing out numbers that are kind of sixes, high sixes, maybe low sevens. This is a low six. That's a good number mm-hmm. from this group that's doing most of the work. The remaining hundred and forty seven judges who did the other fifty one percent. That's more or less an even split here, right? Mm-hmm. The descent rate combined, 7.3. Clearly, the top judges get are getting those assignments more frequently, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems to be they're in step a lot more. I think a lot of it does. They work so much together. They yeah. talk about it all the time. One thing I would love to do, and it's, it's going to be so labor intense. I don't know a good way to, to do it. Maybe you could figure it out because you, you've got some... You got some ways about spreadsheets that probably even I'm not as good with because you you went to school for similar stuff, right? You took courses in this, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I could you could probably figure out a way to to scan when all three judges, let's say like the, the let's say a team of, for example, Sal D'Amato, Derek Cleary, and Mike Bell. How oh, okay. often do they dissent compared to the team of? Sal D'Amato, Janitro Camillo, and, and Chris Lee, right? Uh, I like that, actually. I, I've, I've had a lot of interest in that type of thing from officials even, too. They, they've been curious about how that would work. When they're working together, how well do they agree compared to other teams? That's something that mm-hmm. probably is going to have to be worked on throughout the year. That's a big one. That's a big undertaking. It's a very big undertaking, but, yeah. I, but I know a lot of people would be interested in that kind of thing. Um, 2024 data show <laughs> coming to you. Yeah. Two years away. There you go. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it's technically the, oh, yeah, two years away. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, but you know, these are obviously these are the names you hear the most. They catch the most flack, I think, because they just hear the names. But I mean, shoot, their name. Yeah. I, you'd, I think, on the whole, you'd rather have one of them than any replacement person. And that's not to say the seventh most person you wouldn't substitute over them. It's just when you're grouping, when the split ended up being fifty-one and forty-nine. That was kind of what I was aiming for. I wanted to shoot for where it was even. Mm-hmm. And that's where it ended up being. If I if I added one more judge in there, and I couldn't, I think it might have been Ron McCarthy might have been the seventh who kind of got cut back. Okay. For my data purposes, if you added him in, it would have been more like fifty two and forty eight or something like that. So I was really aiming for just a split. It's the closest I could get. So that's where it worked out. But look, we've got good judges working more of the, the the rounds. There's room for more. There's room for more, and there's room for more people to start the process of trying to become judges. And say, you know, if you think you could do it better, give it a shot. But right now, I think we're actually we've got some good, hardworking judges that are that are doing a good job. They're not just doing it; they're doing it well. Yeah, comparatively. But that was it for the main trends that I had here. Where do you want to go next? Well, yeah, this is a spot I like. Ten eights. Yes, you do love the ten eights. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, we always have to reference again, like I mentioned. Dana White was highly critical last March, 2021. Really threw a wrench in everything. Threw a wrench in everything. After that, Jan Blahovich, Israel Desanya, round five, got two 10-8s that, you know, not the strongest of 10-8s. But I think we both went 10-9 in that instance. But nonetheless, it, I don't think it was so offensive that we had to destroy everything that had been built on for several years of of giving out 10-8s more frequently. Nonetheless, it happened. Um we have some data, of course, on 10-8 rounds in the UFC specifically. I, I focused more on the UFC for a lot of this stuff, to be honest. It was just, there's more, it's easier. I still don't have as complete a set going back several years of Bellator, for example, or PFL. But on UFC rounds, again, that number is 970 UFC rounds in 2022. Any 10-8 round, so whether they gave one, two, or three for that particular round, it only happened 61 times out of 970. So that's a 6.29 rate. Not very often. It used to be about double that, close to it. We're still in the same numbers, more or less, that it was last year, because last year, post Jan Izzy, there were 825 rounds after that point, and that rate was 6.79. So it's down about a half percent. This year compared to, you know, the bulk of last year. Okay, so... Not much. That graphic, that 5% graphic that went around, mm-hmm. they're hitting that in the UFC? So, what <laughs> yes and no, right? What are they aiming for? Are they aiming for a unanimous 10-8 when they say that? Or are they aiming for... I mean, they're probably aiming for everyone to be on the same page, but it doesn't yeah. happen very often, right? I think they were hitting that before. They were getting them on the same page more or less with either two or three as the majority score that was happening before that is not happening now because one 10-8 round this year just one 10-8 score i should say out of three Mm -hmm. it was 34 out of those 61 so more than half the time only one judge is giving a 10-8 anyway and that's 3.5 percent of of all those 270 or 970 rounds right Mm -hmm. Once you get down to two 10-8s, you're only seeing 17 times. That's one and three quarters percent. And then all the way down to unanimous 10-8s, there were only 10 unanimous 10-8s this entire calendar year, 2022, in the UFC. Not even a percent. 1.03%. Oh, 1.03. Just over. I, yeah, you know what? I would, one, out of, one out of 100 rounds. That's pretty much what we're If I at. wanted that graphic, I would say majority score would be 
I would, I would use that as my Yeah, I would think so. Thing. So um, right, right now we're looking at two and three quarters more or less is what that is. So you really want it to be double what it is right now, and that is not mm. what we have. So that's disappointing. Um, and again, these numbers are very much in line with what we had a year earlier. I think there were there were 11 uh, of these unanimous 10-8s, again, in the, the latter three months of, or latter nine months, I should say, of 2021. So it was just a little bit more often, but really not very much. This, this is more or less where it's stabilized. We're, we're kind mm-hmm. of in a stable area here, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I think just a little bit of wording changes in the criteria. I think there's a lot of ways I would tweak the criteria. I wouldn't go like bonk. Look, I would go bonkers with it, right? I could. But I think there's a lot of like around the margin stuff that people would reasonably, even even the people who write these and and are probably averse to change, you could probably get on board with some of the minor changes that I'd be talking about and clarifications and things that that could hopefully push us in a better direction. Who knows? What do I know? No one listens to me, except for you, dear listener. Thank you for listening to me. (laughs) <laughs> I just think that one that one, one tweak in in the the ten eight where it's can start thinking about a ten eight mm. instead of this should be a ten eight yeah just a little bit a little wording changes I like know that. I know I think I think there's ways around it I'm not sure exactly where I would go but I'd have to I've thought long and hard before about like man I should really just sit down and take the criteria as it's worded now and just tweak it write my own write your own write my own yeah do it. Just uh, write more or less the changes that I would make so that people could understand what I would change. Because in my head, I, I'll, I'll picture it here and there, but I don't write it down. Mm. I should do that. I think I should get around to that. Maybe, maybe that'll be my New Year's resolution. Yeah. I should probably just lose weight, though. I mean, it should. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have yeah. weeks with no fights. That's true. We can go over Scott's Not too criteria. many of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's all I had for for kind of the the year update of of ten eights. But there's you know there's still like the judging tendencies, right? It's it's always interesting who's giving out ten eights. So there is a new king of ten eights for 2022. Do you, do you want to take a guess at who it is? It is not Mike Bell. Mike Bell is always the traditional one, right? It was not Mike Bell this year. The ten eight king this year. I think it'll surprise you. I'm gonna go with Derek Cleary. Chris Lee. All right. Chris Lee was the out judge on five. 10 8 10 9 splits. Okay. And each time he was the 8. Okay. Every single time. You know you know why I picked uh Derek Cleary? I don't. Cuz he seemed to be not not needing damage. Well, it's that's it's, what I kind of felt. I mean, I don't I couldn't speak to that. I hadn't give that. That's just how that that's how it's, it appears. What I would say though is you bring up Derek Cleary. Derek Cleary actually had the most times where he was the out judge in an 8 9 split. Nine, but six of those he was the eight, and three he was the nine. Mm. So he actually led in being the out and giving the eight. Okay, but, that's why I probably But he was still more. more split, is really what it is. Chris Lee, if it was eight, nine, he was giving the eight. He's pushing those eights. Keep going. I like keep, it, Chris. Keep going, Chris. You're doing <laughs> God's work over there. Uh, <laughs> but again, that, that is actually across all three major promotions. That's not just UFC, I should point out. When we talk about the judges' tendencies, I was able to get that data a little more clear for this particular hmm. year, right? Um, Eric Cologne, by the way, generally one of the more likely to give the eight when he's out, was actually out only twice in uh, in such splits. And each time he gave the nine. So he, was kind, of, he kind of went against trend hmm. in this particular year. Don't Must know why. A- it's just the way it happened. That's pork roll. It wasn't that many. Of- yeah, pork. Get that out of here. <laughs> Taylor Ham. I was actually looking up the history of where Taylor Ham came from. I'm not going to bore the listeners with it. Go Google it or whatever, but yeah, it's interesting. Okay. Some guy made it up. His last name was Taylor. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty much it. My grandma always called it Taylor's Ham. Well, yeah, so, I think that's what it was. It was yeah. a it was a product called Taylor's Ham. 
Mm. All right, now we're getting into yeah. it anyway. Okay. No, That's... we're not. We're not going to do that. <laughs> Sorry. Apologies. It's Jersey politics. <laughs> <laughs> the most the most important kind of Jersey politics. What we yeah. call th- certain foods. Mm. Uh, it's not a hoagie, guys. Get out of here. Uh, by the way, the next closest uh, in terms of the uh, the number of eight nine splits that were they were the out judge to Derek Cleary was Sal D'Amato. He gave three eights as the out and two as the nine, so he was kind of on both sides there. And then again, Chris Lee had five and all of them mm-hmm. were the eight. Anthony Manis, I should point out, had the most scored rounds without an eight nine split. So he was always in it. He was always a ten nine. If, look, if they had a nine or they had an eight. He was in the majority. That's really mm-hmm. all that I'm saying. Oh, okay. That's that's all gotcha. it was. Um, but that was across 102 rounds in both UFC and Bellator. He did work both. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's all I got really on 10 eights. Okay. What about a little further? A little further. What do you got? 10 sevens. 10 sevens. No 10 seven. Okay. This is this is where we're at. There's no 10 sevens being given out, and I would say given the state of the eights right now, I mean it's a wonder when we'll actually get a seven yeah. uh, to come up again. Um. But we may normally, yeah. Normally, I wouldn't even ask about this score, but I have to. Ten tens. A ten ten had happened, yeah. as we recall. Yeah. Yes, so those who <laughs> those who are keen listeners of this show, or maybe they they happen to catch this, there was in fact the first UFC ten ten in nearly four years, back in September when the UFC was in Paris. The judge's name was uh, Christophe Chapuis. He scored round three of William Gomez against Jarno Ahrens, and I forget if that was how the name was pronounced. He scored that one a 10-10, and as I recall, that was not a great application of the 10-10. Yeah, I, I, I don't recall it. I, think, I recall that we could figure out a winner. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, we had a winner. Of the round, and realistically, if we're going to give out a 10-10 for 2022, it really ought to have been round one of Rose Namajunas and Carlos Barza, and even that wasn't, so. No. That's that's where I was at. But, uh, you know, just real quick before we move on from the idea of these uh, 10 sevens, because I don't have anything more on the 10 10. That's it's it's not going to happen very often, guys. Don't expect it again anytime in the next four years unless we go to another territory. Right. <laughs> you never know, I guess. But um, we may have some more 10 10 chatter coming up in a future episode of this, this show. So 10 10. Stay tuned. 10 7. Excuse me. Thank you, sir. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah we're not going to bore you with 10 10. No, no, no. Nobody wants to talk about 10 10s. They're stupid. Yeah. They're dumb. <laughs> just dumb but that's all i got for the uh you know the eights the nines the sevens the tens whatever well, i guess nines we'll be talking about but you know not specifically <laughs> yeah where I'm, should we go now what do you think i mean we kind of covered this section here yeah what's the you know the data says about the most frequently assigned judges we kind of we kind of covered that a little bit but we do have there's some interesting things to highlight about i think particular oh, okay. judges that i like to get into right okay so First off, the judge who worked the most rounds this year of, you know, out of Bellator, UFC, PFL. But I would imagine this carries across all promotions worldwide, even. I, I would be surprised if anybody worked as many rounds as Sal D'Amato, who for the second year in a row turned in exactly 517 scored rounds across the UFC, Bellator, and PFL. It's kind of impressive. It's, it's pretty weird. He didn't work any PFL in 2021 so this was the first year um that he'd done it at least in a while i don't i don't know if he'd done it before but uh yeah 417 of those rounds were in the ufc 88 for bellator and 12 for pfl extreme consistency because in 2020 he scored 523 ufc round can i ask a question yeah in your data Mm -hmm. is are the 
partial rounds taken into effect that Virginia still has no. the right scores? No, 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 no. I don't not. do that. Okay. That's garbage. Just making sure. Nah. Yeah. So, like, Virginia, what Dan's alluding to is, if, if we didn't make it clear enough, in Virginia and also in Florida, they are often asked to write down a score for a fight, a round that was not completed. So, if it, you know, if it ended at, you know, or two minutes finish, and 53 yeah. yeah, if it was finished in the two minutes and 53 second mark, it doesn't go to a technical decision. It's just the, the fight was stopped and it was over. Judges are, are asked to put the score down. It's kind of useless. It doesn't really matter. So. It, it's useless, but it's also, I, I find it crazy how finish isn't an auto 10-7. <laughs> well, yeah, so, you would think so. Um, but... but it doesn't, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't it's, matter. It at really all. doesn't. Yeah. So I, I kind of ignore it. But yeah, it's it's a weird thing. I'm not gonna get into that right now. So I, I was just dated again. Well, the thing dude. is, I was just I was just asking if that was part of the round scored. No, no, no. I do not include those at all. Okay. Yeah. So to be clear, and that is fair. That's a fair question, Dan. Um, but no, we don't include those. We're talking about fully scored rounds that would potentially impact the score of the fight. If the fight already went, if it was finished because of a TKO or a sub. That wouldn't matter. Anyway, but technical so. decisions, it still counts. Technical, absolutely, yeah, yeah for okay. sure, for sure. That's a partial round that. Will that's count. a round that scored. Those, those count. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Bell was second, by the way, behind Sal D'Amato, uh, just like last year. But it was much closer this year. Actually, had four hundred and fifty-three combined rounds across those three promotions. I much closer to becoming number one. I would say Mike Bell probably has the most rounds scored throughout the whole. Because California runs. You know, that's a good point. Day. You bring so, up a good point, but both of those guys also work the uh, Dana White Contender Series, which I don't even oh, okay. include yeah, that's in my a, UFC yeah. data. I didn't include the road to, to UFC tournament that they were doing in Asia either. Um, I feel like I'm in maybe in the future I really ought to just get everything I can. If you can just get them, throw yeah, it all in. they don't post those scorecards. Um, I don't think. I can get those, though. Okay. They, they send me a link for Dana White Contender Series at the very least, oh. and I think they also did for Road to UFC. I could probably get it now. I could just go back in my email and, oh, and pull nice. it out, but I'm not going to do that right now. So, But maybe for the future, I will start trying to do that. I would lo- I'd love to get ambitious and go after everybody, like uh, Brave and, and ACA and KSW and Aries and Cage Warriors and you know, what, whatever, anywhere, CFFC, whatever the heck. Who wants to sponsor Scott? to do this yeah you guys gotta <laughs> someone's gotta pay me to do some of this stuff at some point <laughs> this is all just on my own time the new york post doesn't care that i'm doing this i hope everybody understands that that's not something the post is like hey scott you should totally use your time to do that <laughs> not a chance not a freaking chance uh although i i do have ambitions too i want to do a little bit more maybe writing relating to judging this year for for my outlet um when appropriate I think I'm going to try and find reasons to get into that a little bit more. But anyway, uh, back to this and, and judges of interest, right? Um, only judges Bell, Derek Cleary, and Janitro Camijo were on at least half as many scored rounds as Sal D'Amato was. So, you know, that, mm-hmm. over that 250-ish mark across UFC, Bellator, PFL, right? Mm-hmm. Eric Colon was in that group a, a year earlier, 2021, but fell just short of that number this time. It was at 240. Didn't quite hit it. Um Sal D'Amato, I should also mention, worked 39 five-round fights across those promotions. That's five down from 2021, though, so a little bit fewer than in the past. I think part of that owes to the fact that they are traveling just a little bit more, the UFC. Did anyone uh, get more assignments for five-rounders? There were more judges that hit double digits. I should say that the only ones who were in the 20s, at least, other than uh, Judge D'Amato, were Judges Bell and Cleary. Uh, Bell had 27, Cleary had 26. In the teens, we're talking about Brian Miner had 17, 
uh, Janitro Camillo had 17 as well. Eric Colon had 14. Doug Crosby, we'll get to him a little more a little later, uh, had 13. Ron McCarthy had 12, and Chris Lee had 11. No one else had more than six. Mm. Just a, a few more people hit double digits this year, and I think it was just one more in the hole. And actually, I believe the newcomer was uh, Doug Crosby to that group. Again, we'll talk about Doug a little later. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> There's always room for Doug, isn't there? Um, I do want to move on to Chris Lee, though. We we mentioned him before with the 10-8 conversation, and you know, he gets mentioned here and there, right? Um, of the seven judges with at least 200 rounds scored from 2022 in my data chart here, his descent rate of 4.96 was by far the best in that group of seven. Mm-hmm. By far. Uh, Sal D'Amato was closest at 6.19, but we're still talking about a full almost percent and a quarter lower much more likely to agree with his fellow judges again that doesn't make him more right or wrong it just means he was more likely to agree with at least one other individual who was assigned to score that round Mm. that's a big thing though i I think there's something to being on the same page right yeah now two people could be on the wrong page but you're more likely to be on than off so if you're agreeing it can only be good on the whole especially when you've got 200 rounds on your belt right and normally it would be an otherwise, I think, just a fantastic year for Chris. But I would say there, there are two things that, that I do have to mention. Um, first off, and this is data related, he had fewer five-round assignments this year because um, he was down to just 11. But his percentage of uh, especially UFC work in five-rounders was down to 8.8%. The previous three years in a row, he was at 135 13.8, and 13.8% of his assignments were for five rounders so there's a clear five percent drop in the number of times he's getting that five rounder only speculating here okay but that got to go back to felder rda oh i doubt it because that was two years ago that was two years yeah that that was no that was december 2020 Oh, okay Mm -mm, Uh, nothing changed last year he was i shouldn't say nothing changed he went from 13 8 13 8 to 13 5 you might have gotten one less assignment Okay. Maybe. So, no, I, I don't... I, I would bet that's not were, the case. People were, were, were pretty rough on him. Sure, they were. But I while. think also the commissions so. don't necessarily care what the people think. Yeah. I think they have their own evaluation systems and they have their own egos at the mm. way things are supposed to go. Okay. So I would bet that wasn't it. I, who knows the factors? I really don't want to speculate, to be perfectly honest. I, that would, For me, that's irresponsible. I don't want to do that. You I can be love, irresponsible. I love speculating. Yeah, you could do that. I'll Whatever. speculate on everything. Well, you know, you're a jerk. I just love it. <laughs> the one the one other thing I would say that is, and this is something that kind of held me back from me maybe echoing you in naming him the judge of the year for the judges. I named uh, him my runner-up. It, it was that, yes, that's right. You had him for the runner-up. Uh, I chose to abstain from a runner-up. I think there's plenty of, of quality judges. And I'm not saying Actually, Chris he wasn't even not a quality he judge. He was just honorable mention. He was honorable mention. That's right. Um, which is more or less a runner-up. But I also honorable mention Mike Bell. Oh, that's right. You did. Okay. But anyway, the, the, what I'm beating around the bush here is round four of Josh Emmett against Calvin Cater, I, I thought was just kind of a rough score. Mm. Went back and listened to what we talked about at the time. We both agreed, bad score, good judge. I like that. More or less. That was what we said. And I agree. I, I don't think any less of Chris Lee as a judge, but I think that was, unfortunately, it was kind of a little bit of a stain on the, on the year because that was a big fight. And granted, you can get the three rounds for Josh Emmett. Yeah. Sal D'Amato had. Mm-hmm. He, I believe he gave one, two, and three to Josh Emmett. You can get there. It's not a robbery. It wasn't a bad scorecard in the sense that you couldn't score it for Josh Emmett, and he did. It's the manner in which they got there. It's just it didn't add up to me. So, 
I hope that's the last time we talk about that round because I don't think it's even as egregious as well, I think it was round three of Felder and RDA is the one that didn't mm. make any sense. I thought that was probably yeah. a tougher one than this one. But we, you know, we we both agreed that that would should have been a a cater round. And if it was, if that's the only round that changes and everything else is the same, cater actually gets the win. It is what it is. Not a robbery, but again, bad score, good judge. Yep, I like it. Then we move on to. Well, do you want to call him a bad judge? It's up to you, Dan. I'm going to let you put the coin. No, I, I won't. You won't I, say he's I, a bad judge. I won't judge. say bad. I'll just say he gives us a lot of interesting things to talk about. Sure. And that is Doug Crosby. We, we teased him before. We've been talking about him for weeks. With any luck, this will be the last time we talk about him for maybe a little while. Um, but just a quick recap of, of uh, last year when we spoke about him. Because I did we did talk about him on the Data Show last year. Um, he had a low descent percentage, especially in bellator in particular worked 159 scored rounds in 2021 10th most out of all the judges in the data pool 77 of those rounds were in the ufc 82 for bellator so he was more split at that point right Um, but we did note how the way he talks about scoring rounds just isn't consistent with uh the way the other judges do something we've been beaten for a while yeah and has really come to light now that obviously there's all of this uh the fallout from his wild weekend in Mohegan Sun and, and Nevada, turning in the scorecards in uh, Danny Sabatello, 50-45. What? And, uh, and then, of course, the Patty Pimblett 29-28 by giving round one to Patty instead of Jared Gordon. Which, again, I don't think is egregious as any of the Sabatello rounds, but nonetheless didn't think it was the strongest score. Even as the majority. Yeah. Chris Lee nailed that one. Um, he did. That is a Chris Lee round. So. Chris Lee got it right. There are a lot of time. By- and by the way, do you know who did score that fight for Cater? Who? Doug Crosby. <laughs> it's, it's, it's round and round we go, right? Um, there's probably we- there's probably certain disconnects in some parts of the criteria that don't always show in every fight that he ha- has a different view of. Or does he just do his own thing? Because you could read any sort of number of interviews he's done over the years, and it sounds <laughs> it, like it, he just does his own thing. That's true. It doesn't seem he that he cares what other people do, because he'll show up at Extreme Couture and be like, this is how I judge fights. Well, how about you give how judges are supposed to score fights? That's what judge, That's what the fighters need. Yeah, they don't, they, they, you don't need them to be like, hey, I want Doug on my, on my fight, because I know how he's going to score. Because, you know, that's, that's kind of... That, crazy that he that that happens because that's what that's what twitter does they score fights how they want to score fights <laughs> correct and that's where that's where most of it comes in because no one knows what the actual way you're supposed to score a fight sure so that's kind of weird yeah but anyway to, to get into data and i should also point out that doug crosby was not licensed in nevada until uh, october 2021 so that probably accounts for the fact that he had much fewer ufc rounds especially compared to this year where in 2022, he combined for 224 rounds between UFC, Bellator, PFL. 160 of those were in the UFC, which is one more than he had all of last year in the two majors that he worked. 43 Bellator, so much fewer, and then 21 uh, PFL rounds as well. His descent rate was uh, 7.59 this year, up from 5.66 a year ago. I mean, roughly still an average but yeah, obviously it's elevated, right? It's, it's it's up in this year with even more rounds, a bigger pool to work with, right? He also worked nine more five-rounders uh, than the year before. I mentioned he broke into that double-digit territory. He only worked four the year before. So he got a lot more, uh, let's say, important fights in theory 
you know, the main events, the the title fights, these kind of things, right? That said, it's it's entirely possible that we will never go over the data as it relates to Doug Crosby. Again, who the heck knows? Because, you know, there's been all the shenanigans the last few weeks, the revelations uh, in the aftermath that we're talking about as well, that we're alluding to, and, and his own uh, media appearance on Chael Sonnen's podcast. Which may be a weekly thing. Well, there wasn't, uh, there like wasn't that, right? last week. Oh, there wasn't last no, week. No, no, no. And when I say last week, I am talking about the last week of 2022. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got my, my years right this time. Um, but it was also a week of Christmas, so. Yeah, but, you know, maybe he's just talking. I think he just talks. That's <laughs> what I gather. But maybe we won't have to talk about him again. Who knows? There's a lot of people who would not miss him. And to be perfectly honest, if he is going to judge fights in a different way than other judges, I wouldn't miss him. I know you said he's an interesting personality. You think you like the you like the idea of Listen, him. if if Doug Crosby <laughs> had a podcast, I would listen to it. I think it's I think he's an interesting guy. That yeah. whole stunt man thing was a shock to me. I didn't know he was a stunt man. Yeah, I knew that. Or a stunt coordinator, whatever. A stunt it is. coordinator, it's, yes. I'd love to hear stunt stories. But would he tell a stunt story, or would he tell a story about a golf club for thirty minutes and then tell you five seconds of a of a stunt story? I don't know, but that was <laughs> that was also I I was captivated. There you go. I was in. Well, good for you, sir. <laughs> that that is all I had though, uh, data wise on Doug Crosby. I just wanted to make sure we cut him because we did hit on him last year. So I said, you know what, let's visit revisit him again in his data because why the heck not, right? We're actually going to have a little bit more to say about Doug in a little bit, too. Not yeah, that much more. There is, there is some more. Yeah. Um, Anthony Manis is another judge I wanted to highlight here. We don't talk a whole lot about Anthony. I mean, we kind of do, but we also don't because Anthony Manis doesn't really get a whole lot of those major assignments, He especially when he works in Nevada, um, which is he's, he's more recent addition to the Nevada stable the last couple of years. Um, this year, he worked a lot more. So now pushed his uh, round count for the year between UFC and Bellator up to 102. Finally hit triple digits. Um, with those uh, judges with at least 100 rounds of my data pool this particular year, his descent rate of 12.75 was by far um, the highest. Mo- the most likely judge to disagree with two other judges that he sits with for a round by quite a wide margin. Next closest out of, out of the 12 that meet that threshold of triple digits was uh, Eric Cologne, and he's at 7.95, so significantly lower. And, and that is still, by the way, par for for a top judge. It's it's not like deviant to be at just under eight. Hmm. We did not award any couchside overrides to Judge Manus, despite him being out in 11 of 64 UFC rounds that he turned in. And that UFC descent rate, by the way, is 17.9, or 0.2, excuse me, percent. Hmm. Um. When he's on a UFC round, you almost got a one in five chance that we're going to be <laughs> talking about him as the out. It's not great. That doesn't mean he's a bad judge. But <laughs> again, you don't want to be in that position. You don't want to be the out. And he's out a lot. Um, maybe there's just more converse- conversations that need to happen between him and his fellow judges. I don't know. This is that speculation. And I don't really know. But I would say the fact that we haven't talked about a round that you know, I think everyone's kind of up in arms with him about. I don't. I can't remember one that we got real like. Well, what were you seeing there, Anthony? Yeah. Or that a lot of people well, that was were our bad on the whole. Too. That we. I'm. I'm gonna take care of that. What's that this year? Any particular round where we don't really understand more? I'm gonna make note of them so we we're aware of them. Oh, I see. Where 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 you and I are not on the same page with uh, with the out judge. We couldn't yeah. really see it that way. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Or or the majority even. <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah. Depending depending on what was, territory we, we end up in, too. Fight, yeah, yeah. That's true. That one uh, and I'll I'll mention that one in a little bit. But um yeah, so his his rounds over the past four years, by the way, also crossed a hundred this year. He's up to one ten overall. Um and out of a group of twenty two judges that meet that, his rate is still the highest, uh, at fourteen point five five percent. Dave mm-hmm. Torelli is the closest out of them. He's at eleven point two one, only other judge over ten. And he's got 232 rounds for himself as well. So he's got a higher um, rate of rounds, but also a lower descent rate. Worth noting, while we bring up Judge Torelli, because we did talk about him last year having a high rate. Uh, in 2022, across 74 rounds, UFC and Bellator, he was at 6.76 descent. A big uh, improvement in terms of being on the same page. Good to see. You like to see it. That's a totally normal rate. Mm-hmm. So good good on Judge Torelli. But uh, yes, I I, I kind of hope for Judge Manus' sake we don't have to be talking about him in one of these rounds that everyone's kind of up in arms about. He doesn't get like those major assignments yet, and it may, he may not just quite be ready for for a lot of those bigger ones yet in, in Nevada. You know, there's there's a pecking order. There's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of judges that get those bigger assignments. Mm-hmm. You know, he might just be stuck kind of getting a couple here and there for a little while. Yep. International judges. We always got to highlight these uh, gentlemen, uh, it, and, and there are ladies or female judges internationally but when we talk about the international judges the ones that get the rounds typically we're talking about the ones in the uk and especially globally the gold standard i, th- I don't think you would disagree with me here is ben cartledge i agree mm-hmm. yeah wonderful judge my judge of the year mm-hmm. uh got the judgy that is in the mail sure to work its way there uh Easily the lowest descent percentage of any judge with at least 100 scored rounds this year, UFC, Bellator, PFL. And then again, does not include Cage Warriors or any of the other promotions that are worked in Europe quick, by this very busy judge. Speaking of Ben, got licensed in Nevada this year. That's, that's right. That's a huge. That is so, right. Maybe we'll see, see even more, more uh, of Ben because he'll be uh, over in uh, in the United States from time mm-hmm. to time. We shall see. Uh, but he only had four descents out of 129 scored rounds in this calendar year. Bounced back from a very high descent rate of 14%, just 86 rounds examined last year. So mm-hmm. that was that always felt very fluky to me, and it just felt like not a very large sample size mm-hmm. because he still rates as one of the top judges over the four-year period that I've studied here. He is a very close second in descent rate during that period, of UFC rounds in particular, Uh with judges who have at least 200 rounds scored. 5.06 is his rate. Clemens Werner is just a hair better at 5.02. Although Clemens jumped a lot more this year. He had a lot more descents. Okay. Um, But having said that, still very much up there. And again, I I really want to make sure I stress this, that we're talking about these descents. We're talking about a high number. We're talking about a low number. That, again, does not make them a bad judge. It doesn't mean they had a bad year. What it means is that statistically they weren't as aligned with the judges that they worked with on those rounds over the course of 12 months or four years, whichever data set we're talking about, right? It's it's It really bears repeating because I just want to make it clear that we're not saying a judge is bad simply because of that number. But it does help paint a little bit of a picture from time to time. It's a, it's, it's a good tool, right? It's a good mm. tool to examine. That's what I hope people will take away from this show. Um, that is it as far as the the kind of the data that I collected for, you know, like 10-8s and judges, that kind of thing. But we also have to circle back to that thing we kind of, we you brought up in the beginning, couch side over. Meh, 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 meh. You are not suited to do yeah. that noise, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you take a seat and let Papa do it later? Someone had to do it. All right. 
I like to do it when someone gets it, but I'll I'll give it to you because that was just so terrible. Anyway, um, again, mentioned before, uh, but those who don't listen, we award Dan and I uh, the couchside override to an outjudge in a split round that we both agreed with, and essentially are overriding and saying they had the pref more preferable score, not that the other ones had it wrong. But that we saw it that way as well. And we thought, you know what? We'll, we'll give them props, right? Mm. I think that's worth it. Judges get no props. They never get props. Give them props here. <laughs> we awarded 61 couchside overrides this year, sir. And mm. this was, by the way, you tracked this data. So I, I, I want to give a shout out to Dan. This was, yeah. this was Dan checking the couchside overrides this year. Um, mostly UFC rounds. We, obviously, we talk about uh, Bellator and PFL from time to time. We don't do every round from those events. That would get tedious, I think. But when, when it bears uh, necessary and we can fit it in, we make sure to do it, right? 48, though, of those rounds were in the UFC. They were UFC contested rounds out of a possible 259. So our rate of overriding is at 18.5% this year, down about 3%. But more or less, still one in five times, we're, we're going to give you a couch side override. All right. More or less. <laughs> also, we did one couch side override outside of that number 48. For a unanimous round, we do not typically do this, but we examined a round that was judged by three local Texas judges. Uh, it felt like we could do that because, well, Texas is going to Texas, and they're not necessarily always in line with what we expect from, let's say, the other judges, right? So we did do a couchside override for the third round of Roxanne Monteferi against casey o'neill yes i know you felt pretty strong about that one yeah i i, I that was my most surprising scorecard of the year as it was the judges on that one by the Round way were three. referee carrie hatley uh who also judges when texas says hey go judge um and and also i, I believe he's got some more judging assignments this year. and also by the way he's he's got a pretty good descent percentage it's very low sample size still but not so bad carrie hatley uh ivan guzman and uh the infamous robert alexander who is uh well we talked about it last week, is in an unfortunate situation involving youngsters and child sex crimes. Less said about it, the better. But it's disgusting. Anyway, um, <laughs> at any rate, on the whole, when you take those 49 overrides, counting the one uh, of the unanimous round, Dan and I would overturn only 49 rounds from the UFC. That is only 5.1% of UFC rounds overall that if we had ultimate power, we would change. So 95% of the time, Dan and I are completely good with whatever the majority said. Yeah. Like and out of that five percent, most of the time we still can see it the other way. Yeah. Like you said, Scott, I mean this paints a perfect picture that there's a huge issue with judging. Huge issue. Yeah. Super super <laughs> major Uber <laughs> issue. I I would wager and we didn't do a good job this year of tracking when uh when we did think around maybe wasn't the greatest of scores. Mm -hmm. We didn't do a good job of that. I think I you have taken that task upon yourself for the coming year, and I appreciate greatly uh, to track that a little better. So now we'll kind of be able to say, okay, mm -hmm. maybe that many rounds is the times we would actually say, okay, maybe they didn't get it right. Yeah. But I would wager it's about 1% or less. I think less. I don't know. Could be about one. I don't know. We'll see. Depends how much they travel. They're going to I Australia, my friend. Are there 2.9 fights? Sir, they're going to Australia. 2.9 rounds. Just right? saying. They'll go to Texas probably. I told you. Yeah, I know. I know. It's we mentioned, yeah, Australia's, uh, 
that's the most nervous one, just because of the 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 the, uh, the level of that fight. I should have done. I should have done how many Texas rounds are are split off too. That would have been a fun regional one. I'll I know that. we have maybe we, next year. We did the wait. No, we did that one show. We had just a section for that one judge. I forget his name. Patrick Patland. No, Is not Patrick Patland. It was it was another one. I forget. JJ Ferraro. Nope. Nope. The fact that we have so many judges, we yeah. can just name off the top of our heads from <laughs> Texas that had issues. It's not great. <laughs> It's just, it's not a good sign. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, as far as overrides go, Sal D'Amato actually led in overrides. That probably is no surprise because he does score the most rounds. Number two, he had 13. Uh, number two was Mike Bell with 10. Mm. Again, he's second in number of rounds. So, you know, by sheer volume, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Only Ron McCarthy had more than five overrides. He got six. Uh, but he also led in the percent of times that he got a couchside override as the out judge. So when he's the out judge, 42.9% of the time, about closing in on 50% of the time, we sided with him. Very, I got that very strong name. judge. I know he went for Patty Pimlin in round one. I disagree with that round, but incredible judge. I think he, yeah. he is a, a wonderful judge, and, and I'm very glad that we... He's he's one of the youngest judges that works in, in Vegas. He might mm-hmm. even be the youngest. I don't really know. I haven't seen their birth certificates, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we have Judge Ron McCarthy around the sport for a long time. I think he's a terrific judge. Uh, There's the, going to be a McCarthy in, in officiating MMA forever. Yeah. Yeah. Even my brothers-in-law. They're yeah. McCarthy's. Yeah. They're not related. I mean, like, maybe... Maybe they're great, 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 like times 30 grandparents were, you know, the same people. I don't know. Possibly. Who knows? I do like to to say, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, it's your uncle, Big John McCarthy, to my wife. Just like, shut up. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> just doesn't care. Um, the next uh, highest percentage, by the way, I'll, I'll just I'll just kind of run them down quickly. Sal D'Amato, 35.1%. David Leatherby, 30%. Three out of 10 times when he's the out judge. We're with him. That was very high. I don't think we mentioned David yet, but that, that's a that's a good one for him. He gets a lot of couchside overrides. Uh, Mike Bell is at twenty seven point eight. Clemens Burner one out of four twenty five. Uh, Chris Lee twenty three point five, and then Dave Torelli one out of five twenty percent of the time. We were siding with Judge Torelli. The rest were under twenty percent. Adelaide Bird, by the way, had the lowest percentage of overrides for being the out judge among those who get a couchside override. So there were a couple judges that did not get a couchside override. I'm talking about the ones that actually did. In her case, she only got one. 9.1% of the time we sided with her if she was the out judge. Hmm. Of those with 75 or more rounds scored, there were no couchside overrides for the following judges, Brian Miner. 172 rounds. Anthony Manis, 102 rounds. This is scored, not dissents. Uh, and uh, Marcel Varela. It's, I wrote down 72, but I could have swore it was 75. But like we said, we don't watch all these rounds these guys scored. That's true. We don't. So it's possible that they would have a few. That's true. Also, it is worth noting that uh, Judge Varela and his 2.67 dissent percentage was the lowest out of 15 in this group. Very good mm. rate. Excellent rate. Be nice to see him get more work. Uh, and also Daryl Ransom, UK judge, out of 51 scored rounds in UFC, PFL, Bellator, what have you, only one dissent. Best of all judges with at least 40 of those rounds. 1.9 per 6 percent uh, dissent rate. Really, really terrific. So give the guy more room. Give, give him more work. Let's see more Ransom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of the couch side override, of course, <laughs> and we don't talk about this though. We don't really talk about no, this when we, we talk don't. about the couch side override. It's it's the two judges that are overridden. Yeah. Now that doesn't make them wrong, like we said. 
doesn't mean anything, but you know, they, they're the ones who were kind of saying, well, we're stiffing you. We're going the other way. Mm. Right. It's just the way it is. Um, only three judges were overridden at least 10 times. The top two will, or not the top two, but two of those three will not surprise you. Judges D'Amato and Bell, they were each overridden 11 times, but when you score 400 plus rounds, kind of makes sense. It's going to happen. Yeah. The leader in times overridden with 18, Doug Crosby. 18 times. 18 times Doug Crosby was in the majority of a contested round, and we said, nah, it ain't you. Now, we didn't say that to Doug. We sided with Doug a couple times. We gave him two couch side overrides this year. But we went against him 18 times. And I don't think it's personal. I, I don't no. I don't have any. I've never had a bad interaction with Doug. Never had a good. Inter- I've never interacted with Doug, to be perfectly honest. I saw him at the ABC conference and I just kind of let him let him sit cross uh, crisscross applesauce on the ground where he was sitting. Left him alone. Didn't feel compelled to talk to him. It just I, I wasn't that interested. But uh, and to note, Yes, there's another judge agreeing with him. Oh sure, absolutely. He's eighteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so there's 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 no personal here. So. But the fact that we went against him eighteen times and he only was in the majority two hundred and seven times, so we overrode him eight point seven percent of the time that he was in the majority. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a hell of a lot. See, it's, that's what I was getting at earlier when I said maybe there's a portion of the criteria that he does on his own that he that does a different way than most. I bet you, uh, you know, and, I'll say this. I I wouldn't be surprised if he scores takedowns differently. But see, He's been but, doing it for yeah. 20 years, and, I mean, that can be a good thing, and it can also be a bad thing, because it, it, experience is a good thing. Sal D'Amato has been scoring combat sports for more than 30 years. Great judge. Gold standard in this country, I think, and in this continent. Um, but I... You know, we we had the opportunity to speak with with Sal in, in ABC, and and it's been very useful to get that information. He he was part of the the training course we took mm-hmm. with Kevin McDonald, and it was really terrific. He seems on the ball. He seems to understand modern judging. I mean, he's teaching it, so he should, right? Right, but that, but that's what Doug I'm saying. Does not necessarily do that when he talks. I'm saying I'd love to go back to these 18 rounds. Mm-hmm. And find the common, find if there even is a common denominator well, in each of these rounds. Sounds like you volunteered. Yeah, go do it. All right, show's over. Dan's got work. <laughs> no, we're almost done. We're actually near the near the exit here, though, because um, I said that percentage that we overrode him was eight point seven percent. There was one judge uh, who had you know a, a bunch of rounds scored. I think the cutoff I, I did was about fifty, um, and that was Tony Weeks had seventy rounds scored, but we overrode him nine point three eight percent of the time, a little higher. Smaller yeah. sample size. Doug Doug was uh, in more than 200 rounds, so there's a lot. Daryl Ransom also, and not, not to poo-poo Daryl Ransom. I think he's a terrific judge. He should get more work. But we did override him four times, and in a small sample size, that meant we overrode him 8% of the time. So, Of the judges with at least 75 rounds scored, though, it was uh, Judge Cartledge who was overridden 4.8% of the time. Still way less than Crosby, right? Um Crosby scored 95 more rounds in, in our table data table uh, and in really twice as much. So the judges with the that high volume group of 100 or more, most of them were in the 1.6 to 3.5 percent of the time we overrode them. So that's a kind of a normal number. Ben Cartledge, not too far off. Again, he's the gold standard. I'm not going to tell him he's wrong, unless we thought he's wrong. But I don't think we've ever had that with a Ben round. I don't think we've ever had a round no. where we're like, 
What was cartilage washing there? Like we just kind of respectfully went yeah. the other way most of the time. I would say guaranteed we did that. Sure, sure. Although he probably puts like beans on toast, so like I don't know. That that's weird. Hey, I'm down to try. I'm pretty hungry right now. I'm not a beans so, guy, to be perfectly honest. That's really where it comes down to. I love beans. Not a beans guy. Black beans, I I like better than uh, brown beans. Is that what they're Pinto? called? Pinto beans. I thought they were white. I thought Pinto was Wait, white. Wait, you got navy beans. You got kidney beans. You got black beans. Pinto beans. Uh, you got chickpeas, which are gar- actually garbanzo beans, I believe. Um, you got string beans. You're a big bean guy. Beans are d- delicious. They are the musical fruit, so I hear. Yeah, get down with the beans, man. <laughs> Just black beans. I look. I'll mm. I'll eat. You know, like if if I if I get like a burrito from let's say Taco Bell or something like that, and they put the the other beans on there, refried beans, refried beans, whatever. Yeah. I'll eat that. It's fine. But I would prefer black beans. Okay. So when my wife makes beans, she typically uses black beans. So if you go to Chipotle, your order would be black beans. I don't like Instead Chipotle. Of... I like Qdoba. It's better. Okay. Well, when you go to Qdoba, your order would be Thank black you. beans. Thank you. Get it right. All right. Yeah. All right. There's... All right. Whatever. But anyway, we're, we are obviously trailing off. We are actually at the end of all the data that I wanted to share, though. So, But but once again, us overriding, and I want to make sure I stress this, us overriding is not the same as us saying that the other two judges got it wrong. It's just not. Most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it doesn't mean that. It can mean that. It doesn't mean that implicitly. It just means we scored it. We saw it differently. Sure, sure, sure. But, that, but, but again, we still understand the other score. But that is it. That's the data show for 2022. I hope you guys got something interesting out of it. If there's something that maybe we didn't cover in this episode that we didn't already say we're hoping to do maybe in the future, you know, please let us know. You know how to get at us. Like I said, email scottrfontana at gmail.com or Twitter or Instagram DMs at scott underscore Fontana. Happy to talk to you. Be nice. Scott, you got any goals for the year? I would like to lose some weight. I mentioned that before. Okay. I, got, I got a little heavy. I would like to get back to jiu-jitsu. I think that I would play that. into that uh, heavily. Nice. So I, I really want to do that. I want to complete my data chart. That won't happen, but I would like to. <laughs> Get closer. That's a goal. Just I can I can set goals that I can't achieve. You just gotta you gotta reach for the stars and you know you settle into the clouds or whatever the heck the stupid. Well, just make is. the goal Im- improve the data set. No, the goal is to get to the end eventually. Yeah, but you gotta go step at a time. I'm okay falling short. I just want to set the goal the highest. Why why are you why are you trying to get me to aim low? I don't want you to aim low. I think you I are. want you. I want you. The way goals work is you knock them out brick by brick. Oh, that's what I've been doing. You build, that's what I've been doing. You keep building. No, no, no. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. With that said, my goal for the year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get on your data sheet. You're going to try and get on my data sheet? Yeah. How? Put me on the data sheet. Um, I'm going to judge every round, and I want to know my descent percentage. You're talking to me about yeah. shooting for like middle goals. You're shooting for something that can't happen. What are you talking about? I'm going to score. Have you gone crazy? I'm going to score every round. You have I'm going to give crazy. you my score for every fight for this year. And just throw me in there. Oh, so what you're saying is on your own, you're going to score every single yeah, round. I want to see how I compare. Okay. How well? I thought you were I'm saying you would no. you would be the one who was licensed to judge every single fight. That's why I was confused. Oh, like, what are you be, talking actually, about? Actually, no, that would that's that's another thing. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. What I think you should do, I think you should that's reach what, out to the commission to try to see yeah. if you can get some shadow judging in. I would like All to right. see that. That's my goal yeah. for you. Well, you, that's not how goals work, but yeah, it's my goal. No, I'm setting a goal for you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and that does it for us. I hope uh, we brought your new year in with some interesting information and, and hopefully some fun. Yeah. And next week, we'll be back with an interesting topic. Is it next week? It is next week. That is our plan. We're, we'll see. We'll see. We're, we can't break down Ryzen, right? 
No, we're not doing no. Rising. Yeah, we're not doing that. No, it's not happening. All right. Hope Thanks. you enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care, everybody. Have a great New Year.